You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi and welcome to our weekly update on Tuesday 26th of February from AIB Customer Treasury Services. I'm Gavin O'Carroll. I'm joined by Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist and resident guest to look at the Irish economy, the recent data that's come out from fourth quarter and the last number of weeks. And we're going to focus on the labour markets during that talk and the Brexit dismay and brinkmanship that's goes on. Ollie, we've looked at the Irish labour market data in detail and we know Irish economists, economists generally like that sort of stuff, but specifically for the Irish market, it tells you more than the actual GDP figures tell you. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Our so-called national accounts or GDP data are distorted by the activities of multinational companies. So there's a lot of movement of goods and services in the economy uh, and they don't tell what's happening in the underlying economy or the real economy, whereas the labour market data do. And what the labour market data have shown over the last five or six years has been you know, strong employment growth, averaging around 3% a year, and a steady downtrend in the unemployment rate. I mean, it peaked back, I think, in 2012 at 16%. And the latest data show that it fell to 5.7% in the second half of last year. And we also saw continuing solid jobs growth throughout the year. Uh, not surprisingly, construction doing very well as that sector rebounds. And also... Uh, a good increase in employment across a broad range of service sectors. The one sector that suffered was agriculture, which is not that surprising. It was a tough year last year. Uh, farm incomes are down, so there's a contraction in employment in that sector. But overall, it's consistent with other data showing um, you know, a good performance again by the Irish economy in 2018. But having said that, some signs that it's beginning to lose momentum. Um, we still will see strong growth, but maybe not as strong as we've seen in recent years. That's not a big surprise because the global economy has slowed since last summer and we're a very open economy, very much export-orientated economy. Uh, So it's not that surprising that we're beginning to see some signs um, that the Irish economy is losing a bit of momentum but still performing quite strongly. Ali, when I look through an article you've penned for the Irish Examiner today, you know, you're talking about the German economy and I suppose the divergence between the actual real economy and then the export economy and what you can see between the two sides. I mean, that obviously has a bearing on the Irish economy's performance as well, because it speaks to, you know, a dichotomy that's going on over in in Europe in terms of performance. Yeah, uh, what we're seeing in the US as well is manufacturing is coming under pressure in a lot of economies because of the slowdown in global trade. But the domestic economy and the service sector economy is performing quite well because interest rates are low, we have expansionary fiscal policies. And actually, we're, we saw about that in the Irish data last year. Um, we've seen a slowdown, I think, in employment growth in the second half of the year. Not a great performance by the manufacturing sector, but still you know, really good employment growth in the services sector, and obviously in Ireland as well as saying construction. And if we look at the PMI indicators, uh, which AIB sponsors now for Ireland, I mean, the manufacturing sector is, the indices there have weakened more than the services sector, and that's what we're seeing globally. In fact, with very weak German PMI indicators on the manufacturing sector out last week for February, but the service sector was really strong. So that dichotomy is there, uh, and it's not just, it's not as pronounced in Ireland, but it's certainly pronounced in uh, the larger export-oriented economies like Germany. I think in Ireland as well, we've seen some fall off in consumer confidence. It's still at high levels, but it's not at the very high levels we saw last summer. 
And uh, in the first month of the year, we saw quite a sharp decline in new car sales. So there are bits and pieces of data coming through saying, yeah, yeah the economy is still performing quite well, but not to the same extent uh, as in 2017, 2018. Now, forecasts have been published in the last number of weeks by the Central Bank, the European Commission, the ESRI, indeed ourselves. And we're all saying, you know, growth should hold up. You know, the economy may grow by around 4%, but on, on an underlying basis, it had been growing around 5%. So some slowdown this year. Um, and obviously, that's very much predicated on the assumption that we don't get a hard Brexit uh, or indeed a major downturn in the global economy. So I think there are signs that economy is losing a bit of momentum, but it's still a good underlying story here. We'll still see job creation. We'll still see growth. Uh, we'll still see you know solid public finances. But as I say, some of the fizz appears to be going out of the Irish economy uh, mm. in recent months. Now, in saying that, look, we, we let's focus on the labour market just for a second. We've talked about... Um, Average labour market last year was was two point three odd million. I mean, it's effectively close to all time highs. Yeah, in terms of employment, as you said, the figures have risen to about two point three million. The, the key thing there is we've regained all the jobs that were lost uh, in, in the major downturn at the end of the last decade. So we're back to record uh, levels of employment. And the unemployment rate has also dropped below 6%, down towards 5.7. Expectations will head down towards 5% this year. So we're getting close to full employment within the economy. And that in itself will act as uh, something of a handbrake in terms of the pace of growth. It will, have, it will see the pace of growth slow somewhat as what we call in economics capacity constraints um, emerge in the economy. We don't have that large pool of untapped workers that were there in recent years. And interestingly, the data last week also showed an increasing reliance on employers uh, on uh, inward migration. Mm. In fact, most of the employment was was in the category of non-Irish nationals as opposed to Irish nationals. Again, reflecting the fact that we're heading close to full employment. And if the economy is going to continue growing strongly, it will require that inflow of non-Irish nationals into the workforce and we saw that very clearly last year. And that's that's an interesting dynamic when we come to the Brexit story later on. Just give, give us a second in terms of data this week. We've got sentiment indexes uh, across the EU uh, on Wednesday. We've got uh, US historic quarter four GDP on Thursday. I know we don't, don't like looking back in terms of data really and we've got, you mentioned the AIB sponsored PMIs for the Irish Manufacturing Centre out on Friday, Tuesday next week for the uh, services side to that. Yep. Um, I think the key figure actually in the last number of days was we, we've had what's called flash PMI indicators for the Eurozone for February and the Eurozone economy as we know has been weakening quite a lot but th- they sent mis- mixed messages. The actual services sector recovered, but the manufacturing sector continued to decline. And overall, actually, the index rose, so the composite index rose. So that's the first time in a number of months we've seen that. That's a good sign that uh, maybe activities now begin to stabilise, haven't weakened uh, since last summer. Uh, we're also seeing the same thing in the Irish data uh, in terms of our manufacturing and our services indices have been on a weakening trend since last summer. So it'll be interesting to see uh, later this week on Friday and then into next week whether the Irish figures stabilise as well. Uh, we have the European Sentiment Index, as you say. Again, it's for February. It's, we like it because it's February. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether that index stabilises as well because it has been on a downtrend uh, since last summer. So these are what we call lead indicators. They give us a very good picture of what's happening at the present time. And economists know, you know, the European economy, the UK economy has lost momentum over the last six to eight months. And we're hoping to see signs that the decline is now bottoming out uh, and activities begin to stabilise. This is all hinged 
on the major story that continues to dominate and yet hasn't gone anywhere really in the last week. 31 days. We've got the time running down and the clock. We've got this meaningful vote. Theresa May has said uh, it's being held by the 12th of March. At that stage, there will be 17 days, Ollie, on the clock to the 29th of March. Just bring us through the main story that's coming through this week about that amendment in Parliament uh, on, on Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, well, first of all, yet again, you know, Theresa May has kicked the can down the road. So we're not really going to get any clarity, I think, until two weeks' time in terms of whether that withdrawal agreement is going to get through the UK Parliament or not. So that, that uncertainty continues. And obviously that is unnerving a lot of MPs in the House of Commons. And remember what the default position here is. If we don't get a withdrawal agreement uh, approved in the UK Parliament, it could crash out without in a no-deal scenario, a hard Brexit. MPs are very keen to avoid that happening. So we now have a joint uh, motion uh, likely to be voted on uh, tomorrow, uh, coming from both a Labour and a Conservative backbencher. And the, the gist of that motion is that it would allow Parliament to vote on the 13th of March, so the day after Theresa May has put the deadline in terms of getting this through Parliament, that in circumstances where still no deal has been reached and approved by the UK Parliament, that on that day the UK Parliament would vote uh, to rule out a no deal hard Brexit. So that would be a very important date, the 13th of March, if we don't have a UK, sorry, if we don't have the withdrawal agreement approved by that stage. So the vote tomorrow is to give Parliament the right to vote in two weeks' time on ruling out uh, a no deal hard Brexit. So it's not ruling out, the vote tomorrow is to give them the option to have mm. that, the mm. right to have that vote. It's not ruling out a hard Brexit uh, tomorrow. That vote will be taken in two weeks' time. Uh, in circumstances where Theresa May has still failed uh, or still facing difficulties in terms of getting her withdrawal agreement through Parliament. Okay, so like that's the Cooper-Leswin plan, they're calling us. Now, if they win on Wednesday this week, it will be humiliating potentially for May. Sterling won't probably react that, that much to it. It may rally a little. Businesses will breathe somewhat sigh of relief. We've spoken about this since before Christmas in terms of generally the politicians don't want a no-deal Brexit at the end of March. Correct. It's leaving the timelines way tighter than anybody would have wanted. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the, the timelines here are getting incredibly tight. I mean, I, I just wonder, even if we got a withdrawal agreement, let's say approved in mid-March, will there be sufficient time for the UK Parliament to uh, legislate fully to implement that withdrawal agreement? Uh, even if the withdrawal agreement is approved by mid-March, the UK may still have to seek an extension to Article 50 to delay Brexit for a number of weeks or a couple of months to allow sufficient time to pass the enabling legislation. So there's still a lot of uncertainty here. Uh, as a, In terms of the vote Wednesday... It, it didn't pass uh, in January when this vote was put to the House, and, and particularly the government held together on this. But we had three senior cabinet ministers come out of the weekend in a newspaper article in the, in the UK saying, you know, as you said, the deadline is approaching. We really need to move here and uh, make it clear that we won't have a no deal hard Brexit at the end of March. Uh, businesses are telling that to the government. Uh, this uncertainty is obviously damaging confidence. So within the Tory party now, there's a move at a senior level. Uh, to rule out a no-deal hard Brexit at the end of March. So there is a good chance then that that amendment, those two backbenchers, will pass uh, on Wednesday and set up that key vote in two weeks' time. 
difference last time is that they, they now have the number of votes from both the Labour Party and Tories that exited over the last 10, 12 days from the previous vote when they actually didn't have those. Well, I think the key one here is the fact that, that senior cabinet ministers are coming out and said this. Yeah. Um, we, we've only had three desertees from the, from the Conservative Party. Um, so I think it's, 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 it's where it's coming from within um, the UK Conservative Party. It's coming from senior ministers within the government. Uh, who are very nervous that uh, if we let this drift on, we could be facing a no-deal hard Brexit. So really, I think what Parliament, if this motion is passed, Parliament is putting Theresa May on notice. You have two more weeks to get this deal through Parliament. Uh, we're going to move and act here and rule out a no-deal hard Brexit. That's the clear message she's going to be given tomorrow if that motion is carried incredible situation Ali. I mean the Irish economy as we've we've spoken about continues to perform um, there are concerns obviously across Europe and uh, in Ireland and the UK as well about what the damaging effects would be of a no deal Brexit but the time continues to run down thank you for your time today Ali, and thank you to our listeners and customers for listening to this our weekly update you can subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on SoundCloud or the podcast apps for iOS or Android until next week when we'll have more news on the Irish economy with the PMIs look forward to talking to you then Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.